Blog Talk Radio. The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian. Good morning and happy Tuesday to all of our listeners. This is Dr. O'Sullivan, and you are listening to Holistic Pet Care with Dr. O. I hope everyone had a great week, and we are very privileged today to bring to you um, Dr. Jean Dodds, who is going to be with us not only today, but also, I believe, on April, uh, April 29th to continue our discussion of all of Dr. Well, not even all of them, are they? Dr. Jean Dodd's uh, accomplishments and contributions to the health and welfare of our non-human friends. So I would like very much to thank you, Dr. Dodds, for joining us this morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank God, and it's a beautiful day here. Oh, are you in, where are you at today? We're in Southern California. Are you in Southern California? I, I have the impression that you traveled quite a bit, so it's kind of a crapshoot as to where you might be when you called in. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it, 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 so sunny California this morning, huh? Yes, and then I was teaching oh. in Halifax two weekends ago, and it was freezing and rain and ice, and oh my goodness, but everybody showed up. It was amazing. <laughs> it's, it's funny with the weather doing these kind of strange things it's always such a blessing when you wake up in the morning and I'm here in Arizona where it's just gorgeous just gorgeous so we're two very fortunate people I think yes, um, Dr. Dodds I wanted to spend some time this morning telling our listening audience about two of your projects which kind of morphed into other projects but um, one of them being Hemopet and Hemolife and then second, NutriScan, which we hopefully have time to get into. We'll have 30 minutes to do as much information um, conveying as possible. And uh, we may have some callers call in. So if that happens, we'll make sure to answer their questions. And I wanted to let our callers know to go ahead and give us a call at any time during the show, 347-215-6138. You can also... Like us on Facebook at Holistic Pet Care with Dr. O, and follow us on Twitter at Dr. O D V M. So once again, I want to give my utmost thanks to Sylvia Global Media Network for making this entire thing possible. So, Dr. Dodd, let's begin. Can you introduce yourself and tell the world who you are for my listeners who may not know? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, it's pretty interesting <laughs> you ask that. I have been a veterinarian this year for 50 years. Wow, I, wow. <laughs> from wow. the Ontario Veterinary College. And, um, of course, at my age, I don't have to pay dues for our national association anymore. I guess they, that's really nice. Um, I tell people <laughs> it was my mother, who's, who's going to be 98, by the way, shortly, oh, um, wow. that really graduated. I'm not nearly that old. So that's the first <laughs> thing. And the second thing, which I'm absolutely a little embarrassed about, is last night on Canadian television, there was a documentary on the Pet Nation show called Fido and Wine, and they came from Toronto, and they filled Hemo, filmed Hemopet for an entire day. And there's a 25-minute YouTube and link site that's gone viral all over everywhere now. It will be on our Facebook page on Hemopet, interviewing me and showing all of my staff and how we rescue the greyhounds. 
Oh, great. Now, tell, how, do, how do we get to that YouTube? Or, well, um, I, can, I can send you the link. I don't know how long it will be up on YouTube, but we are going to get it on, on Hemopet's Facebook page. Okay, great. great so great. Um, I'll send you the link anyway. Uh, the problem is it's embarrassing because it's about me and what we did with Hemopet. But in relation <laughs> to the radio show today, um, I'd just like to say that we started Hemopet in 1986 when I was on the East Coast. Um, because I was in charge of regulating the blood program for the state of New York for humans, and the right. reason for that, yes, for reason for that was after 27 years with the New York State Department of Health, when AIDS and blood safety became such a huge issue uh, in California, primarily and New York initially, they didn't have a physician hematologist to help regulate the situation. So I was oh, it, as a veterinarian. Yes. But, <laughs> my training had been for more than two decades in comparative hematology and immunology, so I studied people as well as animals. And so it was not a shock to my, he- my physician hematology colleagues to have me do that because, interestingly enough, many of them, Carolyn, didn't realize I wasn't a physician. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you had, you, had the, you had the comparative training and those types of things. I know, I know, but it's interesting how how they look at you diff- curiously differently when they find out you're a veterinarian, you know. <laughs> I think in a good, I believe in a good way, but you never know. Anyway, so um, when I was driving home one night uh, from the Red Cross meeting, I was thinking about um, why don't we have a blood bank for animals that's exactly like the human blood bank and use my training to create, you know, the same qualifications for donors and screening for disease and blood type compatibility, et cetera. So I thought, well, we'll call it Pet Lifeline, and it'll be a red, white, and blue heart-shaped life preserver, which was our original, uh, it is our still our doing business as uh, um, name. And then I thought, well, for the actual company, we need to have something a little bit more professional sounding. So I thought, Hemapet, nah, doesn't go well. Hemopet, <laughs> sounds better. So that's how we came up with the name Hemopet. So we we moved in 19, after 1986, I moved to Southern California to uh, uh, marry my wonderful husband, Charles, and um, moved here because I wanted to get away from the government regulatory environment because I figured I'd never break that chain, you know, if I still stayed there. Right. I started Hemopet, the first nonprofit national blood bank for animals. And uh, we service now about 40% of the blood supply in um, mostly United States, uh, some in Canada, and of course in the Orient. In Hong Kong, we have six repositories there. It's a huge catchment area for people that have pets, mostly smaller pets in Hong Kong. And I actually grew up there until I was 13. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of um, very, very good hospitals there, much like the Animal Medical Center in New York, you know, huge multi-story institutions with extremely well-qualified uh, specialists, et cetera, working there. So anyway, right. we did that, and then my problem was, well, gosh, where am I going to get my blood donors from? Um, <laughs> because you can't use... A minor flaw in the plan, A minor right? flaw in my plan. Right, 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 right. You can't use volunteer donors in the state of California. The state of California is the only one that oh. regulates... Yes, that regulates... Um, you can use it for your own clinic, you know, but not for commercial purposes. California is the only state that actually has official regulatory uh, laws. We have three, actually, governing animal blood banks and how they operate, how the animals are cared for, how the blood is prepared and processed to be safe. And because of that, it allows us to ship our blood products all over the world because we go through this inspection and regulatory um, situation, you know, with annual inspections, et cetera. So I thought, well, we... 
we could go to pounds and shelters and realizing that about 6% of the very large animals are adopted and many of them are not because they're too big for whatever reason. Uh-huh. Then I thought, well, we've got temperament issues, we've got hair coat issues, we've got how are, how are we going to keep them longer than the required you know um, period that they have to stay there uh, in order to be able to find out if they're suitable donors, you know, check them and screen them and whatever. And, uh, this is just right, a right. nightmare. Right. <laughs> so thought, wait, what about greyhounds? We don't have any greyhound racing in California anymore. It was um, abandoned and were abolished in the early 20s by 20, Mar- yeah. Margie Everett and her suffragette ladies, um, <laughs> which was good, it, you know, in that sense of, you know, not using splitting animals for gambling. And then right. we went to, um, as it turns out, Arizona was our first state that we got our animals from, Tucson and Phoenix. Um, then we get them, got them from Texas, and now we get them from Oklahoma as well. So most of our current animals come from Oklahoma, and they're, they start out in the Florida tracks, and they head west as they become um, less and less prominent in the racing industry, I guess you'd call that. Yeah. We get a lot of animals um, from Arizona that have been in Florida and Alabama, and then some from Texas. And we still get a few from Arizona, although most of the Arizona track animals are adopted immediately, so we don't have to worry about them. They're taken care of. Uh, the way it works is that we screen all the animals with people that draw blood from them wherever they are located, and we screen them for health first, make sure they're completely healthy and they don't carry infectious diseases. They could be transmitted right. in, in, in the blood. In the, in, in the south and in Florida and such, I imagine that you've got different concerns than you would if the animals were just coming out of Arizona or you know, the locales in which they stay make them more prone to different diseases. Um, and so yeah, that, we, that's we test for everything, including exotic leishmaniasis and... Babesia, oh, yeah, every valley fever and <laughs> all of those things, yeah. And then once we we take two samples, we send one to the blood typing lab because there's no commercial um, complete blood typing for animals. We have to go to a research lab that specializes in that in Michigan. And then we send the second sample for the infectious disease screening after they've had their health screening. Once mm-hmm. they pass infectious disease, we call the blood typing lab and we tell them to type them. Right. If they aren't the right blood type, then fortunately, Carolyn, we've done all of the health screening, and those animals can be more adoptable to a regular uh, greyhound pet adoption agency. Yes. Now, what, when you say they're not the right blood type, are you trying to look for more universal donors? Or more we of only, a yes. Yes, exactly right. We only accept universal donors, which actually okay. is blood type DEA4. And DEA4. that means... Four. They have no other blood antigen recognized in the dog on the surface of the red blood cells to react to the blood of any patient because most veterinarians have no idea in an emergency situation what the blood type of their patient is. That's exactly my, that's exactly my thought process as I'm sitting here is that if we have DEA4 and we have a universal donor, we, you know, when I was doing emergency medicine and those types of things, we just took what we had and um, living on the thought process that the first blood transfusion will not react with the, the, our patient. But most after of the time, donation not blood, all the time, though. Most exactly, time. exactly. So it's always one of those um, no guts, no glory type, pull the trigger right. type things in emergency situations. So right. even exactly. when we're stuck, right? If after we did the right. first one, we're like, I didn't type this dog. I just put another dog's blood into it. I yep. hope they don't react. Uh, so, right. wow, this is exciting stuff. Yeah, right. and then if they need another blood transfusion later on or somebody forgot this was a hookworm puppy that got a transfusion when it was much younger, <laughs> we may not know, yeah. you know. 
Yes, I, yeah, yeah, I, I do, I do. Or did did somebody write that in the chart? And so every time their chart comes up on every computer and every chart and every file everywhere for the rest of the dog's life, people know it got a transfusion from an unknown donor, and that that's difficult in tracking. And like you're saying, the history of the patient it receives is also sometimes a mystery. So right, and some people wow. don't know, right? It could be a rescue. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. This is. I'm. I'm really. I can't. I actually have like goosebumps on my arms, Jean. It's like so exciting. Like. Well, oh you can gosh, do a cross me. match every single time, but you know that's in an emergency situation isn't necessarily realistic either. So with our blood, the animal can have the patient can have as many units as they need, even if they had an unknown uh, blood type transfusion previously, because there's nothing to react. Ninety-nine point ninety-nine percent of dogs have DEA four as a red cell antigen. We uh-huh. had one years ago, one out of a thousand might be negative, but there's no known adverse reaction against that anyway that we know of. So we're set, and that way it's much easier. Veterinarians don't have to worry about that. They know the blood is licensed. They know it's been screened. They know it's shelf life, you know, the expiry dates on the bag, and we treat it just like a human blood bank would be. And, and uh, Dr. Gus, what what is the shelf life on this blood? Is it days, well, with special weeks, with a special years? preservative um, additive solutions that are put in it, just like uh, we do in humans? It's 47 days for the red blood cells, and the plasma, the liquid portion of the blood that has all the proteins and the coagulation factors in it, can last a year fully active factors, and another oh. four years as a source of antibodies for parvo or proteins or whatever. So it's a total of five years for the plasma, but it, it, nobody long. They always use it, <laughs> you know. So, and we have repositories all over North America where the blood is kept in major cities, so that if you need it in Chicago and you've got an emergency, you don't have to. We don't have time to get you the blood. You have to get it right. right there. So you go to one of the three repository uh, centers, we twenty-four hour centers we have around Chicago, and pick it up. And sometimes the client goes to pick it up. Or the veterinarian sends a staff person to pick it up. Right, and right. We right, bill right. the end user, so the repositories don't pay for the units unless they're used. Oh, isn't that isn't that just a beautiful system? Beautiful system. Now, can we get back to the greyhounds? Now, are the greyhounds more prone to be universal donors, or is that a bunch of? Well, that's a that's a <laughs> old wives' tale. Actually, yeah. no. Um, about by the time we're finished all the screening, we probably get about 10% of maybe 15%, depending on batches. You know, it varies a little bit from batch to batch. If the animals are more closely related to each other, they may be similar, you know. So uh-huh. it's about 15%. So um, it's not nearly what people think. But greyhounds are perfect because they're so gentle to handle and they're so, you know, lovable and companionable and they have short hair and they're clean. So. <laughs> That's so funny you mentioned that because... When I was in vet school and, you know, just so busy and so nervous and so everything in vet school, the greyhounds were perfect because their, you know, their their legs, basically, especially the rears, are somewhat see-through. So when you're going to try and do a blood draw, you're going to try and do things that they're so gentle and they're so kind and they're so forgiving and there really is never a mystery about trying to locate a vein or an artery or, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, no, but, it's easy. you know, I mean, but, you know, it's just, it's it's so nice, and they're just so wonderful. Such and they, wonderful yeah, they don't take any sedation or anything. They just sit no. quietly um, in the corner. They have a cushion. We have a stool. <laughs> and they <laughs> sit there, um, and it takes four minutes by gravity flow to fill a pediatric unit, which is half of, a, of an adult human blood bank unit. Okay. Uh, that's all it does. And then, of course, um, all the animals are 
exercised. We have a beautiful facility on www.hemopet.org. If people want to go on the Greyhound uh, adoption section of it, you can get a virtual tour of our right. facility. And then they're all adopted as pets, and we have waiting lists for people that want to adopt them. It's, there's not a problem. We, we have about 210 animals on the on site right now. It's, our census varies from 190 to 215, depending on who's coming in and who's being adopted, because we adopt animals out every week. Yeah, and then you get you you keep them um, at uh, with pet life uh, your uh, greyhound adoption for what a year, year and a half, depending well, it on what. If they're neutered and spayed already, then they can be ready to leave in a year. Um, mm-hmm. If they're not, we have to neuter them, spay them, um, get them acclimated, you know, after the surgery before they start the program. And then we want to pick the ideal home. Um, right. You know, right. one of the well, there's plenty of greyhounds available. The thing is, if you keep them um, a shorter period of time and adopt them out, then you're constantly bringing in new animals, and that causes a little bit of stress, you know, with the interplay between the different ones. And sure. also, we sure. we train them. We train them to be crate trained so they don't soil in the home. They're not used to that. We train them to sit and stay and walk nicely on a leash. And so we have a whole group of people in the adoption program of Hemopet that are training the animals to be the perfect uh, companion for their forever home so they don't come back again. Exactly, exactly. So, so the system here, with it, you can think about it just being a blood bank. You can think about it just being an adoption. You can think about it as just being a lifelong um, you know, home. But the thing is, that you, what you've created is a full circle. Um, it's, a whole, it's a holistic thought process. It's a holistic, full mm-hmm. circle um, life-saving in so many aspects. Yeah, I, I wouldn't you know, have done donors. it any other way, right? The the ethical yeah. commitment and the adoption program are equal weight to the blood bank program. I mean, oh. we're helping the animals that have, and we say quasi-volunteered, helping them <laughs> have their life while they're saving the life of another pet. Yeah, isn't that... Well, Dr. Dodds, no wonder everyone said, you know, just says your name with just such awe because holy <laughs> smokes. I mean, the thing is that thinking about something and visualizing something and then bringing it to fruition and having it exist versus just being in your mind, they're two, they're, they're just different. You know, the, the, the effort that it takes to say, hey, I have a great idea versus making it happen and <laughs> making it happen on a global scale to where all parties benefit my gosh, yeah. my hat, if I had one, is completely off to you. What a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful program. Would I do it again I, if I knew what I do now? I guess I would, I guess. <laughs> you know, we people people have thrown brickbats at us over the years. Oh, you should see their facility. It's just filthy. And you should see the way they keep their cats. Well, we don't have any cats. So, you know, you just can't get upset by that. You just have to say, here, take a virtual tour. When you're in California, come and visit us. Absolutely, our place is open. Yeah. You just have to sign the visitor's book, and you're welcome to wander everywhere. Have a dog, bath a dog. Dog, walk a dog, love a dog, you know, come and join us. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, full transparency is not something that I see or I have anybody that I know sees very often. And coming in contact with companies, whether they're food companies, uh, organizations such as yourself, or sitting in my clinic where you just, I don't, you know, come, come in, come in, let's sit down, let's talk, let's right. all be together, let's ask the questions, let's see this, let's look at the nooks and crannies. And then go forth and form your own opinion based on full transparency. And sure. this is who I am. This is what I believe in. These are my ethics. These are my morals. And I am who I am. And right. this is what I want to spend my life doing. So kind of kudos, kudos, Dr. Dodd. <laughs> this is awesome. I'm, like, I'm so excited. I want to drive up to San Diego right now. I can't even stand it. It's incredible. I may not have to t- cancel my appointments if I didn't have so many. Um, 
Okie doke. So we can get to the HemoPet um, HemoLife program and information on www.hemopet.org. Right. And I believe on that site, you it brings you to the home page, education, um, Greyhound adoption, donation, the whole bunch of great contacts off right. of that page is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you don't mind, um, let's spend about 10 minutes talking about NutriScan. And I um, am so excited about this, not only because I deal with allergies in my holistic practice a lot, but I'm also a huge food advocate and educational advocate and that I um, want people to know what it is that they're feeding and what the labels actually say and that you know that, that our animals aren't grainivores, they're omnivores or carnivores and that just basic fundamentals like that and then having your NutriScan program available where it's a, it's a saliva test? Yes, um, correct. Yeah, so Yeah, you can read about NutriScan on the Hemopet site, but we also have a separate NutriScan site. So it's www.nutriscan.org. And there's a information and literature for veterinarians on there, um, also for the public. You, you know, either can read both. It doesn't matter. It's just uh, the, the veterinary stuff is a little bit more scientific. Um, what we decided, seeing I'm very interested in nutrition being holistic like you are, uh, Carolyn, you know, holism with a W is where health is really going. Exactly. And um, Diana Lavardura, my co-author, and I um, have a book in press right now called Functional Foods That Heal Your Dog, The yeah, Power of Nutrigenomics. And that will be um, in print hopefully in the next two or three months. I've just finished looking at the final proofs. And it's not a cookbook. This is a book explaining for the public and for people like ourselves how nutrition works, how the different components of food work and what they do in the body, looking at genes, the genome, and even epigenetics, how mm-hmm. things that program mm-hmm. our genes to express themselves in a positive way for health and longevity as opposed to disease. <laughs> anyway, well, you're 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 all over the map with this book. I like it. Oh, I'm like, I I well. Today? I've been studying nutrigenomics <laughs> since the late 1990s, uh, before the term was even coined, actually. But right. um, back to NutriScan. So one of the things I was concerned about is true food allergies are extremely rare in in pets and not very common in people. I mean, we know the horror stories about people that can't eat peanuts or strawberries or whatever. Those are acute allergic hypersensitivity anaphylactoid reactions. Most food issues are food intolerance uh, and sensitivity, so not hypersensitivity. And that's a delayed reaction that can occur as soon as two hours, but even up to 72 hours after eating an offending food. And so many of us people, and, and of course animals, don't have any idea to connect the GI signs or skin itching or whatever happens with the food they ate two days before that. Right, right. So, yeah, one of the ways to do that, which is changing the way we look at nutrition completely diagnostically, is use saliva or you can use feces, either one, as the um, biofluid to look at to determine, you know, what's going on with food. And serum food uh, sensitivity testing is not very accurate in terms of clinical prediction. It never has been, even though um, both in humans and animals we have these serum-based food allergy panels that people do and spend a lot of money on. But when you actually follow them clinically, they don't work. They're not predictive. Dr. Dodds, I don't mean to interrupt you. I actually, we have to have a caller on the line. Would you mind taking a call? No, no, sure. Let's go. All right. Good morning, caller. How can we help you? Uh, good morning. How are you, girls? Good. <laughs> great, great. Thank you. 
Um, my name is Joyce, and I have a nine-year-old Labrador uh, who I have recently uh, uh, started using holistic methods and stuff. Uh, but I was wondering if there might be a holistic supplement to help her with the sore joints and muscles. Well, there's all kinds of um, non-pharmaceutical agents that we use for, for pain. One of the homeopathics that we love to use, and I'm, Carolyn, I'm sure you might agree with that, would be made by the company called Heal, H-E-E-L. Yeah. The product hmm. is called Zeal, with a Z, Z-E-E-L. Okay. And for acute episodes, we use the sister product, Traumeal, T-R-A-U-M-E-E-L. Okay. Uh, you, you can find those online. Now, the other yeah. thing we use is turmeric, the, the spice. Mm-hmm. Ah. Turmeric is also called curcumin, and that's very good. Uh, you okay. can build joints um, with things like glycoflex, which is a glucosamine chondroitin mixture, glycoflex 2 or 3, depending on how old your animal is, or, or just and fish oils. Fish oils are very helpful. Yeah. Okay. Anything else, that. Carolyn? Did I leave out anything? No, no, this is good and so funny because I can never did that um, turmeric. I can never say the the other version of it. Turmeric. So yes, it's curcumin. Yes, it's curcumin longa is the actual I, name. <laughs> I just slaughter it. But no, yes. the, it's funny because your your list of protocols right there are exactly. And then um, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, and yes, sure of course, no yes. Under, exercise, no under, exercise, yep. and no, making sure there's no underlying metabolic or pathophysiological issues going on there right. that we, we would miss. So that would be probably yeah, weight loss is important. Yeah. 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 Um, and then just make sure quality light, fresh air. And then, of course, with all the things that Dr. Dodd said, what it is we put in their mouth every single day, not just all the supplementation. So all of those things kind of work together to make sure that not only do we feel good right now with our zeal and our tremeal and our turmeric and our glycoflex and our fish oils, but... We make sure that they're feeling better every day for long term, whether it's weight loss or getting grains out of our diet or whatever we have Absolutely. to do with the whole creature in tandem with making sure that they feel better right now. I want them pain-free, but I also want to address the underlying causality of these things. So that's a great call. I really appreciate it. Um, Dr. Doc, we are, we're running a little bit short on time here, so let's talk a little bit more about... Um, NutraScan, and then I'm going to have to beg you adieu until our next meeting in a couple weeks. Sure, that's fine. So NutraScan is a saliva-based test for food intolerance, and what it does is it it looks at what the bowel lining says when it sees particular foods. If it likes them, there's no problem. If it doesn't like them, it makes antibodies against the food, and we have 24 foods, and we use two antibodies, one for secretions and one for primary immunity, and we do everything in duplicate. So each test has 88 assays on it. And we have a robot that we've named George that does the testing now because there's so many tests done and we get samples from all over the world. So you can go on the website. The kits are free. Uh, you can do it yourself. Have your veterinarian do it, um, whatever you want, and then talk to your veterinarian about the appropriate foods once you know what your animal should not eat. Yes, yes, very nice, very, very nice, should not eat. Um, and then we also um, address on your uh, Dr. Jean Dodd Pet Health Resource blog, which I love, by the way. Thank um, you. And I, just, I just love I sat in bed and was slipping and slipping and slipping. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so good. Okay, that's good. Okay, that's good. But also pointing out that the food, the, the proteins that we eat aren't just proteins that we eat. It's an amalgam of the foods and the antigens that the 
creature ate, whether the you know our cow right. ate corn and soy and wheat mm-hmm. and barley and all those other things, all of those properties still remain in flesh as our friends eat it in the plate. Correct. So, not re- remembering that food doesn't come in the grocery store. You know, food comes from the food that the food ate. <laughs> so right, exactly. Thinking, uh, along mm-hmm. that line, it was, I was just really excited about it because these are the types of things that we try to remind people of all the time. Um, so, And I also appreciate you pointing out the fact that sensitivity is intolerance and allergy is hyper. Sensitivity is that correct? Did I That's say that correctly? correct. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. So do we have to think about that a little bit differently as well, the, and address it. And, and to be honest with you, I love this George thing. George the robot who does your <laughs> 88 assays for the 24 foods and the double testing on everything. I, ugh, how funny, George. So George will be in charge of our testing today. Now yeah. these assays. How, how long would this take if I were to take a slide sample? of my dog or cat and send it to you guys. What's yeah, the well, it, the, the saliva is good for 30 days. We run the tests uh, two or three times a week. We're doing cat and dog now. Um, All right. And with George, we can do the turnaround times about six days because he right. can work 24-7. That's for for somebody that has a hard time um, evolving. I think it's so funny. George works 24 hours a day, so we get my efficient results. And um, now, are you doing this globally? You can yes, globally, internationally. It's not a problem. You just put the sample in a box in the in the mail. It doesn't need refrigeration or anything. In fact, we were just in Italy, and I brought a sample back from a brand new pet store that opened in Venice from their dog Miro, who's a lab who can only eat vegetables, so we're running that test uh, next week. All right, cool. Dr. Dodds, I can't thank you enough for being with us, and I'm excited about talking to you again on the 29th, and we'll do it all again and talk about your advanced thyroid testing. So thank you so much, and for all of our listeners, go find Dr. Dodds on the Internet and learn some amazing things, and give us a call when she comes back on uh, Tuesday, April 29th. Thank you so much, Dr. Dodds. Bye-bye. Bye, Carolyn. Bye, everybody. (laughs) <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And thank you, listeners, very, very much. That was such valuable information. Doc- the information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian.